Welcome to The Thing About Health Coaching, the podcast from Your Coach Health, where we discuss advancements in health and wellness coaching, trends to watch, and the growing body of research. This episode was generated from conversations that occurred at our Global Health and Wellbeing Coaching Symposium in November of 2022, with a focus on demystifying health coaching in digital health, healthcare, and beyond. Please note that the industry is rapidly changing, so some of the information discussed may be outdated. For the latest news in health coaching, be sure to follow along with us and check out our latest health coaching report at yourcoach.health. We enjoy bringing you each and every episode, and it would mean a lot if you could rate this podcast in your favorite player. And of course, hit that bell to be notified of future episodes. Okay, welcome everyone to the third annual Global Health and Wellbeing Coaching Symposium brought to you by Your Coach. Really excited to be here today. I am Dr. Sheree Crow. I am the owner and CEO of Wellness Coaching Elevated. I help health and wellness coaches elevate their skills. And then I'm also the director of the master's program in health coaching at the Earl E. Bakken Center of Spirituality and Healing at the University of Minnesota. So excited to be here today. I'm currently teaching the course, The Business of Health Coaching. So it couldn't be perfect timing. And I'm very excited for our panelists. So I'm gonna have each of them introduce themselves real quick, take a minute or so. And uh, Barbara, we'll start with you. Great, thank you. Uh, hi, I'm Barbara Zabawa. I am an attorney and owner of the Center for Health and Wellness Law. We are a law firm that specializes in assisting those who work within and for the wellness industry in various capacities, including a lot of health and wellness coaches. I also teach full-time at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee in the College of Health Sciences. And I uh, have a lot of years of practicing law and teaching health and wellness law to various audiences, both at the academic uh, institution level and in different uh, venues for presentations. So excited to be here and talk about the legal and financial aspects of health and wellness coaching. Thanks so much, Barbara. Charlie, I'll go next. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. My name is Charlie Hodson, and I'm with Seaton Associates. I'm the director here. Uh, we're based in Chicago. We're a small business. We've had about 20 years of experience in the mental health and wellness professional field. Uh, we have about 200,000 clients in the United States, and we're driven by our customer service and our technology, and really happy to be here and talk uh, about the fun of insurance. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. The fun of insurance. That's great. <laughs> All right, Michael, you're up next. Thank you. I look forward to being here. And uh, Michael Carenti, I am a tax managing director with CBIS. CBIS is a national accounting firm. We have offices in over 36 cities throughout the U.S. I head up the Boston tax practice. We have a number of health clients here in related industries. Um, and we have a number of clients throughout the U.S. that we help, you know, whether it's tax or related matters, as well as accounting and accounting advisory services. All right. Thank you, all three of you, for being here today. So we're talking today all things legal and finance. Woohoo! <laughs> Get your party hats. <laughs> but that being said, uh, super important. So if we could just briefly go around, um, Barbara, we'll start with you. Why do you feel it's so important to protect yourself as a health and well-being coach? 
Oh, well, oh, let me count the ways. Um, first of all, I want to thank your coach for being bold enough to include legal as part of their education series to coaches. One of my observations as a practicing lawyer in the wellness space is that it's often an afterthought, unfortunately, mm -hmm. uh, still and even a lot of the curriculum for um, health and wellness coaching um, certifications and other uh, training programs for coaches, the legal side of things, if it's touched on at all, it's very brief. And so that's why I wrote the books that I've written, um, Rule the Rules of Workplace Wellness Programs and co-authored a legal book for fitness uh, managers and exercise professionals. And the reason why we did it is because uh, even though coaches are not technically licensed by any states, mm -hmm. they still have exposure legally. One is they can exceed their scope of practice, which is very tempting and easy to do for a mm -hmm. lot of coaches. Uh, they know they have a lot of experience. They have a lot to offer, which is why there's so many people gravitating to coaches for their health and wellness needs but they have to be careful not to cross the line. There are actual lawsuits, not many, but there are some lawsuits, especially when you get into nutrition type coaching. Um, there's a very active dietetics board um, association that is policing, if you will, where they still have some <laughs> legal presence in some states. Mm -hmm. uh, making sure that their domain is protected. And so that you want to understand your boundaries, but you also want to make sure um, that you understand your role vis-a-vis -vis your clients. So having the correct legal documents in order uh, with the language that's going to most protect you as the coach, but also set the proper expectations for your clients so they understand what it is you're going to do for them and what you're not going to do for them. You're not going to replace their primary care provider or any other licensed healthcare provider. And your job is to refer when you run up against situations where a licensed provider may be more appropriate. So having those expectations in place will help reduce your risk of malpractice um, and your insurance company, <laughs> which I'm sure... Um, our insurance guests will will comment on. Will Charlie will uh, be happy to <laughs> learn that you've uh, you've set those proper expectations. And then um, you also want to be aware of your data. So um, what obligations you have as a health and wellness coach who probably is learning and maybe collecting some sensitive data about their clients. Um, what your your legal obligations are with respect to that data. It's not necessarily HIPAA, but sometimes it is. But there are also other state laws and other federal laws that you want to be cognizant of so that you aren't um, using or disclosing the data inappropriately. And if you do you happen to have some sort of breach, what do you do in those instances? So uh, having proper policies and procedures in place can help protect you as a coach when it comes to data and just how you handle 
other individuals or your relations with companies or clients, um, having those policies and procedures in place are also good ways of protecting you as a coach. Okay, thank you very much. Charlie, why should we protect ourselves with insurance? Yeah, and I would just really like to echo what Barbara was saying there. I feel like you may have shared notes somehow before this uh, because you really hit the bullet points that I wanted to as well. And I actually ran a quick claim scenario. Um, CPH has been in the health coaches field for about five years now, and there really hasn't been that many claims, um, about a little less than 100 in five years, so that's great. And to really um, nail down what the claims are, Barbara is absolutely correct that it's mostly about working outside of your scope of practice. There's been some diagnoses that health coaches may try to dive into nutrition and medical diagnosis a little bit, and or they're working in a clinical role like a psychologist or a counselor or a clinical social worker. So really that's the main claims that we've seen. And the reason uh, malpractice is insurance is that I also ran what the meat claims payouts are on for health coaches and about fifteen to twenty thousand dollars. So it's uh it's not cheap <laughs> as Barbara, you know, is an attorney. <laughs> the legal fees are not cheap. So it is uh it's important to have uh, liability insurance to protect yourself because it's uh, paid through through the policy. Nothing's out of pocket and running a small business I mean, uh, that can be a big expense. And I wanted to also remind you that through your your health your coach uh portal you can learn more about TPH insurance and is just right in your picture there. Okay, thanks Charlie and Michael and round us out. Yeah, from a from a tax standpoint. So I agree with everything that Barbara and Charlie had to say, um, you know, when it comes to legal and insurance, but then you need to, you know, be compliant when it comes to taxes. And you're not only a coach, but you're also an entrepreneur and you need to make sure that you're dealing with the taxes associated with being an entrepreneur, right? So we help clients all the time with income tax filings, as well as payroll tax filings. You know, sometimes, you know, even as a coach, you're providing services. Some states also, you know, tax services from a sales tax perspective. So we can advise you on what the best method is to make sure that you're compliant with all of the different taxes that may sneak up on you. So we work on a regular basis, you know, with the coaches, making sure that they're compliant with all the different types of taxes, meet with them regularly to advise them, and then also help them when it comes to invoicing and make sure the invoices are done correctly and it has the right type of, you know, details on it so that it's, it will pass muster from a tax standpoint. And, you know, a lot of times the tax authorities will take a look at those invoices to make sure that all the proper taxes have been properly addressed. So we'll work with them to make sure that that's all addressed. Great, fantastic, Michael. So I have an assignment in my class right now where I ask students to reflect on what do they fear about starting their own business? So in this scenario, I'm talking about someone who's just gonna be a solopreneur and, and coach clients one-on-one -on -one or perhaps group coaching. So I asked, what do you, what do you fear? What, what, what are you really worried about? Because I just wanted to get a sense. And over 50% said they were completely daunted and paralyzed by all the legal tax finance information and not knowing where to start. Mm -hmm. So if you each can just say maybe a minute about what's the bare minimum someone needs, what's that checklist that someone needs to just get rolling and make sure they they've protected themselves. So Charlie, we'll start with you. 
Yeah, so the bare minimum uh, is really a million-dollar policy. That's actually the bare minimum in most states' uh, requirements for at least uh, licensed professionals, and the health coaches are no different. Million-dollar policy is the standard, and it's really not that expensive. For If you're working under 24 hours a week, it's about $115 a year, and if you're working hours a week, it's $200 for the year. So from a budget perspective, that's a way to keep in mind what an insurance policy would cost. But uh, the million-dollar policy is really what you should have. And unless you have any type of office space, professional liabilities. Okay, great. Thank you. And Michael? Yeah, bare minimum from a tax perspective is just you making sure you have good books and records, right? So making sure that you're properly documented you know, the income that's coming in as well as the expenses that you have so that we can create a good template to, to, to use to prepare your tax returns. If you're an entrepreneur or, you know, a sole proprietor, it's probably going to go on your individual return. But again, we need to make sure that we have that properly documented so that we can present it correctly and that you're presenting the right income to the tax authorities. So it could be as simple as an Excel spreadsheet. Just could be as simple as an Excel spreadsheet. That, that'll work as long as you have substantiation, right? On the numbers that are on that Excel spreadsheet, that'll okay. work. Okay, great. And Barbara? Uh, so I, in addition to what uh, Charlie and um, sorry, Michael just said, I agree, and because I agree with those basics, I think from a legal perspective, having that services agreement with your clients um, is the core, especially for the solopreneurs, the core document that you're going to want before you start seeing clients. You're going to want the language that sets that expectation both for you and your client um, in is part of your intake process and a document that is signed before you start delivering services. Um, so that document is going to cover things like um, your, what service you're offering, what services you're not offering, you know, your, uh, scheduling policy, cancellation policy, your fee structure, um, what happens when people don't show up, what are your refund policies, like, um, your waiver and limited of liability language about, you know, what you're willing to pay, take responsibility for, should something go wrong, which shouldn't be very much at all. <laughs> and um, just some other ways of resolving any disputes should they occur, um, should be part of your services agreement. I also have a, a basic compliance checklist free on my website at wellnesslaw.com um, if anyone is interested in downloading that. Okay, thank you all very much. Great tips to get anyone started definitely um, sort of lessen that fear I was talking about earlier. It is scary because I've done it myself. So um, I side with the students for sure. It can be very scary, especially when you're not a business person, right? I hear that a lot from my students too. Um, so in general, what, um, what can we get away with not having right out of the gate? I know that's a kind of touchy question, but I mean, truly you only have so much money. So what can we get away with not having? Um, Michael, let's start with you. Yeah, I mean, the one thing, you, as you said, 
you know, earlier when we were talking about the books and records, you can use Excel. You don't need to use, you know, QuickBooks or go and uh, spend money on an accounting system when, you know, an Excel spreadsheet will work until you keep growing. And as you grow, then we'll work with you. And that's what generally we do. We'll work with clients on when they need to go on to, you know, an ERP system um, or some type of accounting system that's more than QuickBooks uh, or more than an Excel schedule. Um, but a lot of times the Excel schedule works as long as you have the supporting documentation. So instead of you know spending money on an accounting system or even a tax preparation system, you know QuickBooks will uh, Excel will work until you need QuickBooks, and then we can help you with the, the tax filing. So I would say you know just use your Excel for now, and then you know move on to something else as you grow. Thank you, and Barbara. Uh, well. Assuming you decide to create a legal entity like a limited liability company, which is the most common form of legal entity that um, solo practitioners will create if they can, if they create one, you don't have to. Um, you can just be a solo practitioner without any legal entity behind you. I don't recommend it um, because that legal entity entity does provide some insulation, some protection of your personal assets uh, but one thing you don't need necessarily when you create that legal entity um is a lengthy operating agreement if it's just you um and there's no one else involved in your company uh the operating agreement um is typically not filed with the state where you file your articles of organization it's an internal document that is basically giving you some guidelines on how to govern your your company and that is really important when you have multiple people who are invested in the company um, because if someone leaves you got to know what to do with their membership or um, share or units or whatever they're going to be called and um, that that isn't really needed when you're just by yourself so the, uh, you don't need to fall into that trap of, oh, I need this lengthy operating agreement. Sometimes if you're looking for funding, um, mm -hmm. like a loan or something mm -hmm. that might need, you might need to have that in place. But if it's, if you're just bootstrapping in the beginning, that's not something you need to necessarily worry about at the outset. Okay. Thank you. And Charlie, what don't we need? What are, what are we okay with? So Two things. Uh, the first thing, just to echo Barbara's point when she was talking about opening up uh, an LLC or your own corporate entity, uh, you can actually insure that underneath your uh, health coach liability insurance. There's no additional fee for that. Uh, mm -hmm. So we don't charge anything extra for that. So if you are considering opening up your own legal entity, there's no additional costs for that. So don't have to worry about spending a, an exorbitant amount of money to cover your company. Then secondly, the big buzzword in insurance these days is cyber liability. And for a health coach, breaches of confidentiality, that's all covered underneath your professional liability insurance. So for a health coach, cyber liability isn't necessarily something you really need to worry about. Charlie, does it cover all the content that, you know, you see privacy policies on websites and things like that? Does it cover your website and the information on your website as well? or? Um, so typically, um, our policies do, but some policies you also would have to get a general liability insurance, which is also 
privacy, uh, copyright infringement, mm-hmm. or even a general liability has your standard slip and fall coverage if you have an office premises. So okay. in our policies, it does, but general liability is something that you can look into as well. I think one other thing I want to point out from a tax mm-hmm. standpoint, you know, if you do set up an LLC and you're the sole member of that LLC, there's no special tax reporting that needs to be done, meaning you don't need a special entity return. You can still do that as a single member LLC on your individual return as you would if you were a sole proprietor. So you get, as Barbara said, the legal liability protection, but there's no added tax filings that you would need or separate entity tax filings that you would need. Well, that's a great point. Um, I didn't realize that at first either. So you think you have two separate tax. Can I get ask Michael a question? Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I get a lot of uh, my coaching clients talking about wanting to form an S corp, um, which they can do from a tax standpoint, um, not a service corporation, but what the IRS deems an S corp for purposes of taxation. Um, and I always, of course, tell them to talk to an accountant because <laughs> Um, they need to understand if that makes sense for their financial um, needs. Um, can you comment on that? I assume you get that question a lot. And when does it make sense to to have that S-Corp status as part of your LLC? The Thing About Health Coaching is brought to you by Your Coach Health, the only operating system for behavior change powered by health coaches. We help a growing roster of industry partners stand up or augment their health coaching operations with the largest supply of validated health coaches and proprietary technology for seamless integration. We are the premier virtual home for health and wellness coaching. An ecosystem built to empower health coaches while expanding access to their services through our industry partnerships. To find out more, head over to yourcoach.health or yourcoachhealth on all the socials. Join us on the health coaching revolution as we strive to deliver the power of health coaching to the eight and a half billion global population by 2030. Yeah, so so there are two different things. You have the LLC, which generally would be considered um, a sole proprietorship from a tax standpoint, or you have an S corporation, which would require a separate filing. And it all depends. A lot of times it mostly depends on the state tax area. Because if you're an LLC or if you're an S corporation, those are considered from a tax standpoint, flow through entities, meaning the entities don't pay taxes from a federal standpoint. It flows through to the individual return and you pay taxes on your individual return. Some states do tax S corporations where they would not tax an LLC. So it's talking to the clients, understanding where they're doing business and advising them from a tax standpoint, working with their legal counsel, what makes more sense, an S corporation or an LLC. From a liability perspective, and Barbara, I don't want to step on your toes on this, but from a liability perspective, they each have limited liabilities, whether you're an S corporation or an LLC, but it depends from a state perspective, mostly on what's the better entity to choose um, from a tax perspective. Okay. Great. Thanks, Michael. I'm going to shift gears here for a second. Let's chat about the gig economy. So as a coach and you're running your business, oftentimes you need to just quickly hire somebody to do something for you because it's hard to be an expert in all things, right? So we um, tend to go on websites like Upwork and just quickly hire somebody to do a a small task or a service. Um, Talk to me about the pros and cons of that or maybe the issues with 
those types of websites. I just know they're so common. So this is kind of an important area that coaches use. Maybe start with Michael. Any issues you see with those types of sites and hiring? Yeah, I mean, depending on, you know, the, the sites and who you're hiring, there's going to be some tax filings that might need to take place, whether it's, you know, they're considered independent contractors and you need to file a form what's called a form 1099 at the end of the year to, so that you can report the payments that you've made to them. It also may require you to file in some different states that you normally wouldn't file in depending on, you know, what, what type of activities they're doing on your behalf. So again, before you start working um, or, you know, engaging somebody on a website, it makes sense to think about what that means from a tax perspective, what additional filings is that going to require and how is that going to, you know, be reported um, from an income tax standpoint and where do you need to file income tax returns? Okay, thank you. Charlie, any thoughts on Upwork and the like? Yeah, you know, um, from a liability perspective, the policy is going to cover your company and yourself individually. So if there's a lawsuit named against your company or yourself individually, the policy is going to cover you. So really, if you're hiring somebody from the outside, it's not going to, you're still covered underneath the policy. Now, person that you're hiring might want to have their own policy to protect themselves for whatever they're doing. But sure. in terms of you specifically, you're covered. Okay, Barbara. Um, well, I'll just come. I mean, I think these services are really great um, for a lot of different types of small projects, you know, mm -hmm. you need somebody to do marketing or social media or um, low risk kinds of services. I think makes a lot of sense but if you're looking at it to do find a lawyer for example i mean i don't actually haven't been on i don't even know <laughs> if, if lawyers <laughs> legal services are part of the the platform i have no idea but if they are i would caution you and i'm not saying this in self-interest i just know from experience um it, there's not many lawyers who specialize in health and wellness law. Mm -hmm. um, there's lots of lawyers out there who do business law, can do contracts, can do um, estate planning and things like that. But um, you're probably going to be gravitating towards like a business lawyer, a general business lawyer. Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunately, you're in a, you're in an industry that is skating on the edge of a highly regulated industry, healthcare law. Mm -hmm. And um, my experience with general business lawyers is that they have no idea, they don't have any training um, in what kind of pitfalls there are in working in that space. And I mm -hmm. end up getting a lot of clients because their business lawyers just couldn't, couldn't advise them properly on, um, the specifics of the industry that they're working in. So just keep that in mind because what's really going to protect you um, with these contracts that you, I talked about earlier that you need is the specific language that's directed at what you do for a living, which is, you know, uh, health and wellness coaching. And what is that? And how you differentiate that from a regulated profession it's very important and should be it should be explicit in your in your contracts because that's what's going to get you into trouble. And a business lawyer, a general business lawyer, is just not going to have an idea of how to 
that if that's even an issue and then if they even understand that's an issue how to how to articulate it in your contract let's talk about that for what pc said about being regulated can you tell me what you mean by a profession that's regulated versus health and wellness coaching not being regulated just so we're clear yeah so what i said at the beginning at the outset is health coaching no state issues any license for health coaching that's what you mean not a licensed profession but um that some people want to change that and that's a whole other discussion but it's it's in contrast to physicians nurses um acupuncture chiropractic um even naturopaths not every state recognizes naturopaths but a lot of them do mm -hmm. um and physical therapists and massage therapists and uh, counselors there, you know, psychotherapists, psychologists, social workers, mm -hmm. they all have licenses yeah. issued by the state. Um, they bill insurance. So they have those kinds of um, concerns, <laughs> both contractually and, um, you know, with the federal level or the state insurance um, like uh, requirements for billing insurance they they are just inundated let's just say the whole also hipaa no question applies to what they do um and so they have from all different angles to navigate these different laws at the federal and state level and coaches are are kind of free to do <laughs> free <laughs> kinds of burdens um unless they start, you know, crossing the line, like we talked about earlier, and there's especially sure. with their scope. And so then they can run up against some of that regulation. And, um, and so it's really important for coaches to understand where that line is, which I think a lot, a lot of training programs do teach that portion of it, but mm -hmm. then also to have that reflected accurately and comprehensively in your legal agreements, whether it's with a client, whether it's with a company, company, um, those things are really important for your protection um, and for you know your client's protection as well. Okay, thank you. So it's it's rare we get a chance to have three experts kind of giving their opinion from the outside in. You guys see things that when you're in the discipline you don't necessarily see. So. What would you say is um, something we should be talking about or what is worrying you about the industry right now? Anything in particular? Uh, Michael, if you want to start us out. Sure. And it's great. If there's nothing, that's great. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, one of the things that you want to make sure of is that all of the proper filings are done from a tax standpoint, because that's the big worry is making sure that you been compliant with all the filings you need to because that's where you can get into penalties. So we always work with our clients to make sure that they're doing the right filings. Most people think it's just income tax, but there are other filings, whether it's payroll taxes, you know, providing independent contractors with the form 1099s, whether it's sales tax filings, even though it's a service, some states do, you know, charge sales tax on services. So just making sure that everyone understands what their tax filings are. Um, and that's the big thing is, is understanding what your tax filings are so you don't get yourself in trouble. Okay, Charlie. What? Yeah, and sort of to <laughs> echo Barbara's point as well, I think it's very important to keep up to date with the current standards and research, researches for health coaches to make sure you're not overstepping your boundaries because uh, as I just want to reiterate that 
health coaching is an unregulated profession. So it's really important to make sure you're not stepping over different boundaries because really anybody can hang a sign up and say that they're a health coach, but it is a real profession and you need to abide by the regulations. And for you, Charlie, is it, it's really about going out of your scope of practice. So you talked about um, less than a hundred in five years, but in general, can you narrow that down? What really is the issue with that scope of practice? What, what's the main thing that gets reported or? Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of professional WebMDers, as you know, so <laughs> people, will go online, people will go online and, you know, look at the WebMD and start trying to diagnose for their clients, okay. which is obviously outside the scope. Um, mm-hmm. Psychologists will do the same thing. And uh, yeah, it's uh, really just make sure that you are staying on the straight and narrow and not jumping boundaries. <laughs> and making those referrals, right? When you yeah. Very okay, important. Barbara. What's scaring you right now at the industry? <laughs> what are you concerned about? I don't know about scaring. It's what I think is an interesting uh, development that's uh, starting to boil. I don't know. Maybe we're not at a boil. Maybe we're at just a simmer. But there's discussions going on about whether and when coaches will be able to bill insurance. Mm-hmm for their services, health coaches. Um, And that for me is a fascinating discussion. I know there's um, been active efforts to get CPT codes assigned to health coaching. So that's the first step. Just because you get a CPT code though, doesn't mean you're going to be able to bill insurance and insurance companies as well and public and private, whether we're talking Medicare, Medicaid, or United Healthcare or any of the other insurers, they have to decide whether they're going to cover through their policies, um, health coaching services. The, the interesting aspect to that possibility is that should that happen, the upside is access from consumers will definitely mm-hmm. increase which is what everybody wants. I mean, everybody wants more access to, to coaching services because now they can actually have it covered through their insurance. But the downside, the downside of that, and I don't know how slippery this slope is, and I want to write um, some articles about this, is the regulation that will come with it inevitably. Because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. right now, coaches, as we've been saying, aren't regulated. And, they, and that gives them a lot of freedom a lot mm-hmm. of freedom to practice nationally, internationally even. Yep. And that, and I have a lot of licensed healthcare providers, physicians, nurses, um, people who, who are subject to state regulation trying to escape that, that kind of uh, environment where they're being constantly bombarded with all the different red tape that they have to go through to deliver the services. So they, they're looking for an out and coaching right now is one of those outs. And if we take that away, you know, then we're also, we may be increasing access for the consumer, but we might be shooting ourselves in the foot for those who want an alternative to the licensed world. And so it's, it's a fascinating dynamic that's happening. There's a lot of discussions going on, a lot of lobbying efforts going on. And I don't know, I don't know if we've thought through all of the implications so um, I'd love to be involved in more of those discussions. 
yeah, as my understanding, current state is the board announced that, so I'm referencing the National Board of Health and Wellness Coaching, that they will be applying for CPT1 codes with the VA, um, right? They're their co-applicator for um, three different types of codes, initial ongoing session and group coaching um, to Medicare in 2023. So they definitely are committed to submitting that application that year coming up here. So yeah, I think there's definitely so much more conversation to have around that, but um, yes, in terms of access, right? That's what it's, it's exciting people in terms of access and being able, customers or patients being able to access their insurance to get engaged with a health coach. Yeah, for sure. But I think Charlie, you know, people like Charlie are going to have <laughs> a little bit, have to reevaluate their policies should, even when that happens, because we're incurring, there's a lot more risk that goes in with, um, when you start billing insurance and all that. Absolutely, that's correct. And when you start billing insurance, all of a sudden it's a requirement to have liability insurance. So it's good to keep mm -hmm. that in mind as well. <laughs> <laughs> good reminder. <laughs> you can't just get away with no insurance, right? <laughs> you're billing. It, it, practice becomes more expensive. Practice will become more expensive because there's gonna be a right. lot more infrastructure um built around the coaching practice than there has to be right now so those basics that we said or talked about earlier things you might not need all of a sudden you might need them so makes sense all right i would love to wrap up this session with any final thoughts um something you didn't get to say that you wanted to say or encourage um we'll start with you charlie but um final thoughts on the topic for today yeah, uh, thanks a lot so much for moderating this, and it's great to meet you, Michael, Barbara, as well. Um, just a couple closing things uh, as the insurance person. Uh, just want to say to keep uh, up to date with the current standards of uh, health coaching practice. Uh, make sure you're really staying in your scope. And then lastly, document everything. Make sure you really uh, have client charts that are up to date, include all recommendation and treatment notes because really that's going to help us and our attorneys god forbid everything does come up with it it's really important to keep those notes documented and charlie when you say stay in scope and you reference standards you're referencing the national board of health and wellness coaching standards okay i just wanted to make sure yeah yep okay barbara final thoughts or something you didn't get to say today um i i guess I'll just repeat what I said at the outset, which was legal is often an afterthought when it comes to coaching, whether it's through training or when it's starting your own business. A lot of people just don't think about the legal side of things. And um, I would just promote the fact that legal should be an investment just like other aspects of your business and um, finding the uh, an attorney that you can trust um, that you know is familiar with what you do, I think is really important because um, you feel like you have more of a partner then. Um, and so, I I would just encourage you not to neglect that side of your business. All right, Michael. Yeah, I mentioned this earlier and I'll mention it again, but it's very important to document everything from a tax standpoint. As Charlie said, you know, when he was talking about insurance to make sure you have the documentation, you need to do that from a tax standpoint so that you can build good, good books and records 
uh, to prepare your tax returns. And then if there was ever any questions, you know where all the items of income and expense came from and, and how you got you know the numbers you did and reported on your tax return. So good documentation starting from the beginning, having the good documentation will help you from a tax standpoint. And do you recommend just to help somebody, you know, keep that good documentation to just create a separate account, even though they, you know, they may not be an LLC or anything like that, but just have that separate account. Have a separate business account. Don't co-mingle it with your personal account. Make sure that you can easily identify what's business and what's personal, because a lot of times if they get into mingle, you know, the, the service, you know, if it's the IRS or with state tax authorities are going to question, you know, whether it's a valid business expense. But if you have a separate account and it's just done for business, most times you can substantiate that it is a valid business expense. That my first two years, I didn't do that. And I so regretted that because yeah. <laughs> the intermixing when it came to tax time, I just, oh my goodness, it was such a yeah, headache. So trying to figure out which any... ones, yep, which, yeah. which is going to individuals, yep. It, it, oh, separate, separate them, it makes it much easier when it comes yeah. time for taxes. I'm going through my Amazon purchases and trying to figure out which yep. is which for sure. Well, Michael, Barbara, Charlie, I just want to thank you so much. Um, this perspective is so valuable. I know um, from a, as a health coach, maybe not the most exciting. I'd rather be coaching like we said at the beginning, but essential. And I think Barbara, you really made that point that it's just so essential to um, be following the law and Charlie have insurance and make sure you document for your taxes. I think that's a good summary of today. Um, at least get the, the basics we talked about with our first question. So I want to thank you all. And I want to thank the audience for attending a session and investing in this part of your business. And um, thank you to your coach providing a platform that kind of takes care of all of this for you is a pretty neat little thing. And I, um, Kind of wish I would have done that at the beginning too. <laughs> so thank you all. Appreciate it and have a great day. Thank you. Thank you.